Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining me for this week's edition of the SMIE Consulting Midweek Roundup. My name's Marty Bennett, president of SMIE Consulting. also serve as director of global recruitment and partnerships at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And today we're going to be answering three questions we've been hearing from international educators over the last few days. Uh, we're coming off IEW, we're coming off Thanksgiving break in the United States, so we're back at it this week, and a lot of folks are really excited in our industry in the United States that are going to ARC next week. I'll be presenting three times uh, next week at that conference, once on a pre-conference workshop, and then also on uh, an important uh, two sessions that I'll be putting in as part of the uh, as part of the conference proper. So a lot going on in the world of international education these days, November or December. Slow month for perhaps international travel, but certainly domestically, a lot going on. And how we impact the world with what we do in international education. We'll talk about that certainly today in large measure in our second and third points on what, what is happening in the wider world for uh, our field. So uh, as we do each week, for those that are new to our midweek roundup, this is our live chat on Wednesdays uh, that's offered across our social media platforms for SMIE Consulting. Uh, we also podcast an audio-only version of this, and thank you to all of you who have subscribed. We've had over 3,100 downloads of the podcast uh, over the years, so we're really proud of uh, the, that uh, you make us a part of your regular international edification. So it's really a joy for me to be with you each week. Uh, we take our themes that you see in these questions here from uh, that we'll be talking about today from our newsletter that comes out and that newsletter is called all the SMIE news fit to share and I'll be sharing links uh, at during the chat during the conversations for those watching live on our YouTube Facebook channels as well as LinkedIn and Twitter uh, we'll uh, we'll have the links that I'll be talking about first up is our smieconsulting.org slash subscribe site. If you would like an email version of that newsletter, uh, it comes out Monday morning at about 9 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, well, it's chock full of social media stories that are also related to international education, as well as upcoming webinars, anything digital, AI related is going to be covered in that section. And then there's also a global uh, section, uh, new international ed news section, uh, with, uh, which covers what's happening in the United States, solutions that we see presented in, in articles and such that we, we reference and give our hot takes on, as well as a summary of what's happening in the wider world. Because one of the things we always talk about uh, at SMIE Consulting is having a global perspective on things, not just an internal campus-wide perspective, but having a global perspective on where you sit in the wider world. And that means understanding what's happening in other countries, because whether we like it or not, they are our competition for international students in many countries around the world. So we, uh, we will share this in our newsletter. Uh, the, uh, you can subscribe to the email version of that, uh, as I mentioned, on our website. Uh, there are also two other links I'll drop in. One is the email version, so you can see what this week's uh, newsletter content included. And that has uh, all the news stories that we cover. Uh, in the, I was mentioning earlier in those two sections, the social media news and the international ed news. And then also, if you prefer to get your international ed news via LinkedIn, uh, we also have a LinkedIn version. Now, between uh, the, those two, the LinkedIn version comes in about a half hour before uh, the email version. So if that's uh, the way you'd like to get it. 
uh, we have that version available for you too. So uh, the LinkedIn version and the email version, between the two of them, we have over 1,500 subscribers that are currently getting that newsletter each week. So I really hope that you can make that a priority for you. Uh, in I know how hard it is. I, I'm on your campus side too, on a campus uh, proper, so I know what it's like to try and figure out everything that's happening in the wider world in an easy to read manner. So we put our quick top takes in that newsletter. It takes about five, five, 10 minutes max on a, on a long week like International Ed Week to read through. But certainly the kind of content that you're gonna get are gonna be quick, short, uh, dirty summations of what's happening in that news story. And then if you need to read it for more information, click on the link and you can get to the full full article. But uh, we helped, I think that's a, a useful way because I know I don't have a whole lot of time to do that during the week. So I make time uh, for it as part of my consulting business. But uh, I, I, I've asked uh, UNLV to allow me to continue to do that since I started working for them full time a year ago, year and a half ago. Uh, so this is something that I prioritize. I know it's my service to my field because I've benefited from so many giants over the years who helped me get to where I am in my life and in my profession that I want to give back to my community. So this live chat, that newsletter are certainly ways that I do that for, uh, for my colleagues around the world who need an easier way to digest the information in the wider world that might impact what we do. So there's the, there's the quick pitch for the newsletter. And obviously, for thank you for those watching on live, live or on repeat for the midweek roundup here on Wednesdays. So let's get right into our first question of the day. And that is, do international educators really understand TikTok? Now, for folks in my generation, I'm a Gen Xer. So uh, I was born in 69. I've been doing this for 30 plus years, 31 years almost now, uh, and understanding uh, the uh, what social media for most folks in our generation as Gen Xers, uh, they might be on Facebook. They might have dabbled in a couple other platforms because their kids are on them and they want to make sure that their kids are using uh, using platforms that are are, are well uh, that are safe for them and all of that. Uh, but for most of us professionally, we don't really don't really think about that unless that's already part of our job description. Uh, and that's one thing when I started SMIE Consulting, that actually stands for Social Media and International Education Consulting. I started that in 2014 when I left Education USA. I'd been there for six and a half years. Prior to that, I'd been on university campus in Indiana, Ball State University, where that's when in 2005, that social media was just starting to take off in the United States and then globally as well. But I realized an important rule back then uh, that you need to have, if you want to be in touch with your students, your prospective students, your current students, wherever, you need to live where they live, live where your audiences live. That was one of the, my guiding principles throughout my time as a, a, a on campus. Uh, when I went to Education USA, we de 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 developed a series of other principles related to social media that were important for advisors to know as they use these tools to reach the students in their market, to reach higher ed folks, all of that. So it's live where your audiences live. And knowing that, knowing where your audiences spend their time, knowing uh, what platforms they're on, uh, helps you if you are gonna be going digital, and we all know during the pandemic, we had to go digital with everything we were doing because we weren't traveling. Uh, what presence you had on platforms in that were the right platforms for the right students that you were trying to recruit to your country, to your campus, and knowing that what countries they needed to be uh, have a presence on all of that, that is something that we think is so vital uh, in in any any it's in any marketing that you might do. It's even more so when you're talking about 
16 to 22 year olds that you're trying to recruit to come to your institution for programs, undergraduate, graduate programs, whatever it might be. So the understanding of the platforms, uh, what platforms they're on is, is half the battle. The next step is what we're gonna talk about now, and that's do we really understand how they are used? And there's a couple articles that popped this week that are, are, are very, very important. Um, our colleagues at Inted uh, have just, just last week completed a two-part series, article series, blog articles on the value of LinkedIn and how uh, first, the first article was about how significant LinkedIn is for, or excuse me, how significant TikTok is for youth abroad, not just in the United States. If you look at the top five countries on TikTok outside of the United States, you've got Brazil, you've got Indonesia, you've got Vietnam, and you've got one or two other countries that are, are also very significant senders of students to the United States. So both, all, all, all four of the other countries besides the U.S. are top 10 senders to the U.S. So if the students in the countries you're targeting that are also sending students in heavy numbers to the United States have a pres active presence on TikTok, is it worthwhile going down the ad route for uh, TikTok. So, and that article, first week's article that uh, Inted put out a couple weeks ago certainly reflected that yes, the answer is yes, you should be on TikTok. You should be exploring ad options to reach targeted, to reach students in the countries that you're trying to reach. Uh, this week's article, or this past week's article, referred to what kind of content students need to see. And the content piece, I think there are some rules in social media that are universal in terms of uh, truths that will apply no matter what platform you're on. Authenticity is also always one of those priorities. Uh, for international student recruitment, it's having current students leading that, that uh, conversation, uh, being the driving force of the content you're putting out on TikTok, as you do with, um, with other platforms, is having them as a central piece of your social media marketing recruitment efforts. So that's what the, the second uh, Inted article uh, does. I've dropped the links to both of those. The, if you have the, have the, if you're subscribed already to the newsletter, either via LinkedIn or via email, you can get that as well. But the, the other article that um, talks about TikTok is that is, uh, if, you, if you needed not just looking at the numbers for why TikTok is important for international educators, uh, you really also, because it is, the, that's where the students are, they're on these platforms in the major, major sending countries to the United States. I think India is not on there because they've banned all Chinese apps and TikTok's parent company uh, is ByteDance and they are Chinese owned, so they are not, uh, they don't exist. And that's why China and China and India, the top two senders to the United States, are not on the top sending or top TikTok user list. Uh, China, in China, there's a Doyen is the the bright uh, bite dance version of TikTok for the Chinese market. Uh, you can, do, you can if you can get on that platform too to repurpose content. Great. Uh, that's that's something you, you might be looking at. But in terms of TikTok itself as a global platform, major sending countries to the United States, their students are on TikTok. So having a presence there, ad form, whatever, and then having the right content is key. But in more general terms, why is TikTok important? This is something I wrote about in the newsletter that if you've read this, read this I've got a couple of people who've commented on it. Uh, I made the point that uh, it should scare the living crap out of any old school marketers, digital marketers on your campus that think it's all about SEO, think it's all about Google. Uh, this article talks about 
specifically, and I love that we have this now, this kind of an article for uh, international student audiences, because this is from ICF Monitor, one of the better better uh, publications out there in terms of regular content on digital and uh, international trends. So the, uh, the, uh, the quote that leads the article is, TikTok is coming for Google's gig, as the kids might say. And the reason why they're saying that is these social channels now, notably Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, uh, according, to this, uh, according to the article, quote unquote, are playing a greater role in search, including for students seeking information on study abroad. Now, this should scare you. If you've been on TikTok and you've seen all the, the mindless crap that comes across your FYP page, the For You page, uh, that's what it kind of leads with on, on TikTok after the, you get through the ads, those are the, those are the things that, based on the TikTok algorithm, they determine that the students should want to see. And if they've been doing searches for colleges or universities, you're going to start seeing some of that content popping into their feed. But... That's that's if you can get if they've got if they've gone if they're using it that way. If they are, you'll see uh, that that is they're searching for institutional content on the platforms they're spending time on: YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok. So these searches that they're doing are like what we hoped that they would do in the past for on Google, on Yahoo, on the other major search engines, Baidu in China, for our institutions, right? Uh, this is no longer the case. Uh, that's not the only way they're doing it. In fact, uh, some of the data that uh, comes through the article that says that students under 34 are now more likely to visit a visually-based social media platforms such as TikTok, Instagram, or YouTube to find or explore topics, people, places of interest, or schools that might be just the right fit for their goals and personality, according to the ISIF Monitor article. So, according to the Google, Google's research, 40% of young people looking for dining and recreational options choose TikTok or Instagram that, rather than Google Maps or Search. So that's, that's specific for dining and recreational uh, items. So this is something that I think we don't pay enough attention to. Uh, certainly the older, older, uh, older digital marketers at our institutions certainly might not. But that the, the piece of this, uh, of this article from ICF Monitor talks again about the authenticity piece that we referred to earlier with, from the Intet articles. Uh, it's, it's, it says, don't tell me something. It says, show me something. And the show, uh, students want to see things in actions, the lives, the uh, events that are going on that, uh, uh, that stu prospective students want to see about. So this is all what you really need to focus on as you build your content for your platforms. And understand that this is where students are going to get information about your institutions. And if you've done a search for your institution on TikTok, if your institution isn't already doing things there, it's, you might have some current students that are talking bad about your, your institution. You might have maybe a couple that are influencers that you can really maybe leverage as part of your outreach using TikTok. So think about what you can be doing. Uh, and the first thing you should not be doing is ignoring TikTok any longer because it is going to drive and is driving right now more and more students to content of, about institutions that may or may not be the kind of content you want them to see. So a really fascinating topic and in answering that question is, do international educators really understand TikTok? Doubtful unless they have kids that are college age that they might be uh, tracking at some point, seeing what they're on, seeing what, kind, what how they're using it, if they're even curious about that. Uh, 
international educators like myself that are, are Gen X, we probably uh, aren't doing that again unless we have kids. Those that might be closer to the, maybe have some Gen Zs that are uh, are coming up into our profession now. They'll they're maybe leading the charge on campus for why we should be using TikTok. We've been fortunate at UNLV. We've had both a a campus-wide TikTok uh, and a student-focused admissions TikTok uh, we've had for the last two years. We're in a state, thankfully, that we're not bound by a lot of the politics that gets wrapped up in TikTok in terms of selling personal information to the to the back to China and all of that, accessing that, not selling it, just giving it to them. Uh, that's not really function a function of our state. Other other states aren't as lucky, so uh, we know that's a fact in, in a number of red states. But for us, uh, we really look at in India at UNLV. We see the value of using this medium because we know that's where our students are. We use it primarily domestically. We're not doing anything with it yet internationally. That may be changing as we are getting more of our current international students engaged in as global student ambassadors, using them to help drive some to drive some uh, traffic, drive some content, and get content out there. Frankly, from an international student perspective, so that's that's certainly something we're looking forward to uh, in, in in the weeks and months to come. Now let's move on to our second question. Now what is the difference between Open Doors data and CVIS numbers? And here, obviously, we we've, we just had IEW a couple weeks ago. We know what uh, we know what the international what uh, Open Doors is. It's an annual report uh, that comes out. It's paid for by uh, Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs at the State Department. They pay IIE and have done so for decades to uh, collect information from U.S. colleges. That is all self-reported. Colleges around the country in the spring of each year are sent uh, this survey, uh, Open Doors survey, to collect. The data on the international students that have been enrolled in the previous academic year. So what we saw in IEW November 13th when they released Open Doors data, it is data from the last academic year, the 2022-2023 academic year, and that uh, is um, the kind of, that is the data that is from the previous academic year. So it's not actually what's happening now. Uh, so that is what Open Doors is. It has uh, the Open Doors book that comes out later in the spring is actually quite comprehensive in terms of giving by level of study, by country, uh, what uh, the top programs are. It goes into some real detail by region where, the, where students who are interested in certain programs are coming from. So it does have fantastic historical data, again, from the previous year and then historically every year back to 1948. So uh, if you need a, a kind of reference guide, I always used to say back in the day when I was on campus uh, regularly and in, in the 90s and early 90s and into the teens, that that guide, that Open Doors guide, is kind of like your Bible. Uh, one, 1A has been the global guide. Uh, up until recent years. The Global Guide is something that USA, Education USA puts out every year since 2010 or 11. Uh, when I was working there, that's one of the priorities we had. We needed something that could complement what Open Doors did. It complements it in that it provides regional level and country level examples of best practices for how how, how students are connecting with centers in those countries, or what social media strategies work in particular markets. Uh, if you are in country, what are the direct recruitment tools? So that kind of really was a really great complement to what uh, Open Doors had. Uh, what has developed uh, in this kind of, I want real-time data now on what's happening in, the, in, the, in our field. Uh, since about 2014, uh, Department of Homeland Security that manages CVIS, they've realized that, oh, we kind of need to 
do some reports to show how many students are actually in the system here, right? Uh, so in 2014, they started something called CVIS by the Numbers using what they call uh, the CVIS data mapping tool. And it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting one because it, it, the, the article or the uh, service that DHS provides, it's a fairly clunky one and they haven't, done, haven't made really any changes with it uh, since 2014. Uh, they used to do quarterly uh, reports, then it became like uh, very infrequent during the Trump administration. Now, uh, in the Biden administration, we've gotten into some more regular reporting. Uh, we, we even had a uh, September and an October edition this fall, which is great because this is real-time data. What the CVS by the numbers data reflects is uh, the students are that are currently in CVS. Whenever DHS uh, SEVP does their report. Uh, they uh, take a snapshot and say, in, uh, in October, there were X number of international students in the country. Uh, they were from these countries. They were at these levels. Uh, they were uh, from, and then break them down by state even. So it has some really good granular data uh, by state and by category that is real time. And that is something that Open Doors doesn't do. And obviously, it's like, like we said, a year old data by the time we see it. So what what CVS by the numbers tells you is what's happening on the ground this fall with international students in the United States now. Uh, what it doesn't, the one category it doesn't break out is OPT. Uh, it has uh, the levels of study, uh, but it doesn't break them out uh, as a, OPT as a separate category. So there are students in the in the PhD category, in the bachelor's, in the master's category that are on OPT that are still counted in numbers for those for those categories, but are not enrolled in school. They're enrolled, uh, they are participating in their post-study work option opportunity. So what is the difference? Uh, is that it's, CVS is real time. It's also, it's, it's, it's not apples and apples uh, to Open Doors because Open Doors is just post-secondary and intensive English programs that are, are reporting there. And I, one thing I don't know if, I think it's all CVS eligible institutions, post-secondary institutions, if it's a standalone IEP, if they're included in that mix. That's a good question I should ask my colleagues at IIE. And uh, certainly if there's anyone who knows and wants to put it in the chat, please do. But I don't think uh, independent IEPs are part of those numbers that are reported for Open Doors. Uh, what are, where they are captured is in the CVS by the numbers. The CVS by the numbers report is again real-time data that is actual bodies in on in the United States that are tracked by uh, CBP when they come into the country. They're registered as entered and officially in the country. Uh, they are in their whatever category that's on their I-20. That data is all collated, and frankly, it's not in the most user-friendly format. I, I put an article out on Friday last week that I've I've got in the chat now on my SMIE consulting blog page. Uh, that uh, compares the two, uh, the top, kind of top level uh, data from both, uh, both reports. Uh, the CVS by the numbers report, again, is real time. That, that number shows that uh, as, of, as, of, uh, the, um, as of October this year, there were 1.22 million FM&J students in the United States across uh, intensive English, high school, associates, bachelor's, master's, PhD, and vocational. There was some small numbers for primary. I didn't really count those at all. So those categories, 1.22 million. Now, if you look at the open doors numbers for last academic year, that showed 
0.057, so less than 1.1 uh, million international students. Again, that's self-reported data from the universities uh, that uh, are CBIS eligible that they were surveyed, that returned those surveys. So not everybody did, but those who returned surveys, that's what's captured there. So obviously there's a difference. Obviously that number, 1.057, is 22-23. The 1.22 is this year, 23-24, uh, in terms of numbers of students. So there's approximately uh, 175 175,000 student difference, but are obviously the categories that are counted are different with Open Doors. Again, only post-secondary, only uh, intensive English programs that are probably institutional-based, that's uh, my guess. And us uh, by the Numbers captures anyone that has authority to issue uh, I-20s, DS-2019s to, um, to international students for FM and J categories. Those categories reflect, if, and if we break it down and just say we take out the vocational, we take out the primary, take out the high school. If we take out those categories, we're still left with 1.13 million as opposed to 1.05. So we are at least, I would say, 80,000 students ahead this year as to as opposed to last year in terms of open if we look if if and that's a, that's as apples as apples as you're going to get between the two uh, if we take out those uh uh intense and take, take out the high schools take out the vocational take out the primaries from the CBIS by the numbers so we're looking at 1.22 uh overall but really 1.13 in terms of uh same categories as what open doors that just reported uh in two weeks ago those numbers are from the last academic year. So if you look at this academic year, this fall, we're looking at 1.13. That's about an 80,000 student difference uh, in, in terms of increase from 2022-23 to 2023-24. So that's what I'm guessing now, uh, around 80,000 more. So I would say if, uh, if Open Doors were coming out now, for next year, or for this year's data, it would say 1.13. That's my guess for next year. Don't somebody will clip me up on this, and we'll talk about that next November and see if see if that's right or not. But anyway, so what I really like about the CVS by the numbers data is it does break down the top destination country or top source countries for students by uh, program, whether it's uh, high school, IEP. Uh, associate's degree, bachelor's degree, master's, doctorate, breaks them down by level. So one of the things I did in the article, which uh, I've gotten some, a number of folks commenting about this uh, about this article and, and referencing it, is that I put the, those six main categories, IEP, high school, associates, bachelor's, master's, doctoral level categories, and you can see what the top 10 countries are uh, in my article that's in the, in the chat. Uh, if you go to the smieconsulting.org site, go to the blog page, and it's the first first one you'll see. Um, you'll be able to see the top ten countries for each of those categories. For IEPs, Brazil is killing it. It's uh, ten thousand students from Brazil are in the U.S. right now in intensive English programs. Uh, next up is Colombia at sixty eight hundred, Japan at thirty nine hundred and Turkey at 3,200, and then China at 2,600. That's the top five. So you got some really interesting ones there that you might not expect for IEPs that are, are high on that list. Brazil, uh, interesting to see their rebound. Uh, you see high schools, China's leading the way there. They've got about 9,200 students from that are in U.S. high schools right now. 
uh, South Korea at 2300, Vietnam at 2100, Mexico at 1800, and Canada at about 1700. So interesting differences there. For associate's degree uh, candidates in the US, Vietnam 3400, number one, Brazil 3100, number two, China also 3100 at number three, Nepal at number four, India is the fifth biggest sender of students for community colleges in the United States. Did you think about that? Have you, would you have ever thought that? India being such a grad heavy market. Now go to, bat, go to bachelor's degree candidates and China is still leading. Uh, they're at about 85,000 uh, compared to India at two, at number two at about 35,000. And uh, three is South Korea at less than 20,000. So India is second place for high school, or excuse me, for bachelor's degree students in the United States. So that's a huge number in, in and of itself. So a lot of great content and uh, numbers that you can, do. if you're a data nerd at all, you're gonna love this, uh, love this article and uh, certainly give you hopefully reason to go digging a little bit further into into the data that the Cevus by the Numbers reports. It doesn't, what Cevus by the Numbers doesn't do that IIE does with Open Doors is go into each, into the regions by and what the top majors are. Uh, there's no academic information in terms of what programs students are studying in the Cevus by the Numbers. So that's that's the missing piece. So combining the IIE Open Doors and the India and the Cevus by the Numbers data to get at academic areas is one way to get at uh, what they're studying in from particular markets, but you'll get that in for this year. That's a little bit harder to to do. You have to have to dig a little bit deeper that way. So a lot going on in the wide world, but I did want to end with Canada, our friends north of the border. My goodness me. And uh, the, the phrase that I used to describe this is great googly moogly, what's going on in Canada. Uh, if you haven't heard, there's been a lot of uh, changes uh, that have been proposed by the government over the last, uh, last few weeks. Uh, there's been uh, some uh, some things that have bubbled to the surface related to um, agents that uh, they're trying to crack down on uh, and universe and colleges in particular that use dodgy agents. Uh, there are uh, huge questions about the ability to, to house uh, the students that are coming, particularly in some of the more um, and, and more outlying areas in Canada outside of Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, Quebec, that are the main hubs for international students in Canada. Uh, you see some real challenges with housing. We saw articles of Cape Breton, a uh, couple, couple Cape Breton University about a, three, four weeks ago, uh, actually making a plan to downsize their international student population, uh, total population from like 9,200 to 7,000 or 5,000 in the next next three or four years because they got to because they don't have the housing stock to to manage all the extra students they've been bringing in foolishly to, without being able to house. So. Uh, what's going on in Canada also, it's part of those are the symptomatic of a larger trend that the country itself has seen explosive growth uh, in international students over the last uh, last decade. Uh, one of the numbers that really stuck out for me is uh, we had, I think it was, let me just get the actual numbers, from uh, 2010 to 2019, right before the pandemic, uh, Canada exploded from 142,000 to 388,000 in 10 years. And now, just in the last five years, less than five years, number of international students in Canada is over 800,000. So they've more than doubled again in just a shoe in four, 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 less than four years, uh, so, or four, in four years. So uh, there's even talk of 900,000 in the next year. They are in serious, capacity issue situations. And I've said this for 
for as long as I've been I've been doing it, doing international education. The U.S. is one of those countries, the only country of the major destination markets that has capacity and resources to take care of more international students than we currently have. We sit uh, countrywide at about five and a half, five point six percent, I think, of our higher ed population are international right now. In Canada, it's closer to 30%. In the UK, it's 25 to 30%. In Australia, it's closer to 30%. We're talking numbers that have consequences. Consequences in terms of budgets, consequences in terms of how dependent institutions become on these international students for their bottom line. And you see, that's one of the reasons you see a lot of calls for, for capping numbers in, uh, in Canada. So we're not going to go into too much more detail about this. I do encourage you to uh, check out the articles that I've referenced in the newsletter. I've also dropped into the links here. They really tell a story about some of the challenges that Canadian institutions, not just universities, but particularly colleges, the vocational college sector, public and private, that they're facing related to housing and capacity issues. So we'll see where that goes in the future, but we uh, wanted to make sure that we get that out in this week's edition. I do want to give a quick shout out. Uh, colleague Jessica Sandberg at uh, Duke Kunshan University, uh, one of the leaders in international ed for the last decade. She was uh, at the forefront of the You Are Welcome Here movement in 2016-17, and that's, uh, she's uh, gone on to great things with Duke Kunshan, now back in the U.S. managing that operation remotely. But uh, uh, she was sharing yesterday one of her side projects recently was getting, uh, getting a survey going to uh, address the kind of issues that we're talking about in international education now, uh, about the, in the U.S. in particular, about the lack of an a national strategy for international education. And so what, uh, what, uh, what uh, Jessica has been helping create is this survey that now IRC, IDP, IDP Connected, I think, is the survey manager for this, but all the asso major associations are pushing uh, to, to talk about the kinds of issues why we need an international-led strategy in the United States. So all the major associations, the U.S. Uh, US for Success co Coalition that was recently created amongst all of these associations are part of that process as well. So it's trying to get that groundswell of support we need in our field to try and move forward uh, the push for international education strategy in the United States at the national level. Uh, I know uh, I'll be chatting about this live next week at ARC. I'll be doing my, uh, I'm part of a workshop, one of the pre-conference workshops on Wednesday. Uh, when I'm not presenting during the workshop, I'll take some time out and talk about that and some other issues. So until next time, thank you for joining us this week. We look forward to chatting with you in the weeks and months to come. Have a great day. Cheers.